Hello, everybody, and welcome to an early edition of Sook Sports Sunday. I have a commitment during Sunday Night Football, so this one's coming to you from the afternoon slot of games. I'm a full show today, full of football and basketball of the college and professional variety, so strap in and suit up. It's Sook Sports Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving Sunday, everyone. Hope you guys had a blessed holiday. Uh, It was great being here in New York, even though my Cowboys uh, did not look quite up to par. But three football games and a bunch of turkey, I really can't complain. Uh, That being said, we are going to start with basketball today because I have a lot of feelings on football. So would like to get you through some basketball first. Uh, First of all, the NBA's most interesting story this week Uh, Ennis Cantor, a guy I absolutely loved in Oklahoma City, is now changing his name to Ennis Cantor Freedom. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but they have tried to ban his games. He has had immigration problems, uh, activists on all fronts. Um, And I just, I don't know, in in a world where, where sports are not going the way you want them to, especially this weekend for a Steelers, Sooners, Cowboy fan, uh, just really, really happy to see Ennis making these big moves. Um, so, so kudos, kudos to him. Sometimes this stuff is bigger than basketball. Uh, speaking of, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, two of my greatest inspirations from outside the sports field: uh, Stephen Sondheim, the legendary composer, and Virgil Abloh, the wonderful designer. Uh, started with Pyrex and then Off White, and has been at Louis Vuitton for I think four years now. Um, Passed away during this week, Virgil uh, actually passing away today, Uh, Stephen Sondheim at 91 and Virgil at 41. Um, I've tried to think of a million ways to describe, but for all the ones that Sondheim did, uh, I kept coming up with Sondheim lyrics, which just sounded a little bit cheesy. And for Virgil, anything I put together also came off as contrived or a little goofy. So, um, Really, really will miss having those guys around in life as an inspiration and seeing what they do, Uh, but we are so blessed to have all of the work and creativity they shared with the world. Um, But anyway, back to the NBA on a more positive note. Uh, The Phoenix Suns are actually kind of awesomely for real. Um, Obviously, we know they won last year, but it's hard to repeat that stuff, and some of that just looked like chemistry, and that doesn't always carry over from year to year. They're on a 16-game win streak um, that ties their franchise record. Uh, That includes a back-to-back against the Mavs, a game against the Knicks, um, and most recently, them pretty much blowing out the Nets, who are leading the East. These guys are for real. I, um, I'm so happy to see it. I'm a big CP3 guy. Devin Booker has always been fun to watch. Never my favorite player, but, but fun to watch. I mean, it's must-see TV. They're taking it to everybody. Uh, I am very, very excited to watch Tuesday's game between them and Golden State because, as you know, I did a Six Sports Minute on Golden State. They are still looking like contenders. Clay Thompson coming back before Christmas. Uh, and to see how they play against... 
Phoenix, I, I think, is really going to be the tale of the West. I mean, we've already shown that the West can beat the East because that's the two seed in the West, taking out the one seed in the East pretty, pretty easily handedly. And now we have the top two seeds in the West going head-to-head. So looking forward to that on Tuesday. Should be an absolutely great game to watch. Um, not so good in the West. Uh, the Lakers, man, and I am so sorry. I don't know why it makes me so happy. I'm not anti-LeBron. I think everything he does as a person, great. I think everything he does as a player, pretty phenomenal. Uh, I also love Russell Westbrook. He left Oklahoma on good terms, unlike Kevin Durant. I uh, he's I have no problems. I have no reason why I should hate the Lakers, but I do. Uh, and they are just struggling so much. They had another double-digit lead this week that they blew. And not one, not two, but three overtimes to Sacramento, which I got to love. Buddy Heald, my guy, just picked up a pair of his PEs. They're Epic. Check out uh, at the Lace Legend on Instagram if you want to see a picture of those. Um, but anyway, just completely fell apart. They cannot get it together. And then you've got the LeBron fight and the ejection, and LeBron only getting ejected for one game while the other guy gets two and fined a hundred thousand dollars for getting punched in the face. I mean, it's it's a it's a shit show over there. I have no other way to describe it. Uh, and I can't tell you how happy it makes me. Um, Anytime you get a super team together. I hated it when Golden State did it. Kind of hate it when they're doing it. Um, Brooklyn, I'm a little bit okay with, I guess, because I would like a New York team to be good. You know, first decade, the Yankees haven't won a uh, series in, and nobody's won anything else either. So, uh, you know, would, would like the city I live in to have at least one good sports team. Um, but besides that, super teams are trash. They are rubbish. Let's blow them up. And I think the Lakers are doing that for us. Uh, and I'm kind of happy about it. So sorry, not sorry. Uh, woohoo, go Suns. Last big thing of note uh, in the East for the NBA, uh, Joel Embiid, who I am a big fan of, I, I just, you know, from, from the process and his sense of humor and just how he carries himself as a superstar in this league, uh, is back. He is playing again and announced his uh, resurgence with a 42-point outing. Um, unfortunately, he got no help, and they lost in overtime. Uh, but him coming back and just scoring 42, it gives me hope for them, and I'm, I'm okay if they'd be good. I have, Look, I don't really have any problems in the East overall. None of my teams are out there. I'd be okay if the Knicks were better because uh, it would be fun to go down and watch games at MSG. But, you know, go go ahead. Go go get yourself some, some Eastern Conference Finals, Joel Embiid. Uh, but way to go. Screw it. I will give you most successful of the week. Not your fault that your team couldn't help you, but 42 points, first game back from illness. That's that's the way to go. So way to go, Joel. So now over to college basketball. A cool, cool, eventful week. Some of these out-of-conference matchups are really um, enjoyable still at this point of the year, and things are really getting shaken up. First and foremost, way to go, Iona. Anytime Alabama in any sport can get upset. I am happy about it. And Iona was the first team ever from the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference uh, to defeat a top 10 AP team. <laughs> the conference is now 1-119 and 119 against AP top 10 teams. So that's cool. Making history, blowing up Alabama, shaking up the rankings, 
getting the bracketology all figured out. By the way, the fact that they can start bracketology at the very beginning of the season, I'm like, yeah, of course we know the first four out two weeks into the season when everyone's played three games. Uh, but it's it's impressive, and I'm glad. And right now they have Oklahoma as a last four in. So, you know, as long as you're going to do that, keep keep putting out your bracketology. But blowing it up, shaking up the standings, way to go, Iona, repping the MAAC. In less good news for the Big 12, number four, Kansas, fell with an epic, epic buzzer beater shot to Dayton. Uh, the Dayton Flyers, look, they, they're always around. They play in the tournaments. They upset some teams. I think I have seen them personally in the Sweet 16 twice uh, in person. But they're, you know, they're, they're a good team. Like, we, we can't hate on Dayton. But that shot, that honestly, maybe maybe we'll have to dethrone Joel. But that shot was unbelievable. Little buzzer beater knocking off Kansas. Way to go. Way to go, Dayton Flyers. That was very, very cool. Even though I, I tend to cheer for Kansas in Big 12 basketball because – Unless we have Blake or Buddy or Trey, the Sooners don't seem to do much. So maybe we'll turn that around this year. But I, I cheer for Kansas. Well, I was sad to see him go down. But but you can't even get mad when you get beat like that. Uh, just an epic shot. So way to go, Dayton Flyers. Dethroning Kansas uh, early in the season. In the biggest shakeup, uh, we had the Duke-Gonzaga game. So Gonzaga, if you watched, absolutely stunning steamrolled from from the beginning till the end manhandled UCLA it just didn't even look like a contest between one and two which I was bummed I was like oh man this is going to be great top two teams in the country Uh, I'm still a little bitter from when the Zags knocked us out of the March Madness so I was like great let's go one versus two awesome not awesome it was it was not a good game Uh, Gonzaga literally just manhandled them the entire time winning that one by double digits and I, I don't know what to say. I, UCLA just didn't either come to play or just got out gas, just got beat by a better team. Uh, so that being said, I was like, all right, Gonzaga Duke, not, not going to be much if they're beating UCLA like that. And man, was I wrong. Um, so first of all, each team has a guy who could go first overall, but definitely lottery picks. Uh, Paolo Benchero whose name I always almost mess up, but I think I got it that time. And then Chet Holgram. Uh, these guys are legendary. Watching them go back and forth. I, I don't know who I would take first overall if I had the pick between both of them. Uh, I would almost try to trade in and get the first two so I could take them both because I think you could build a franchise around both of these guys. Uh, their head-to-head back and forth the entire game was awesome. And... Gonzaga's out. So come Monday, we're going to have a new poll and a new number one. I mean, three-point game. So 84 to 81, Duke. You know, I don't think Gonzaga can drop that far. A close game against amazing competition, plus you steamroll the number two team in the country. But something's got to rearrange because you cannot have an undefeated team behind a defeated team, unless you're the college football playoff committee, uh, in the polls. So who's it going to be? Uh, you have one. Losing to five, two, getting steamrolled by one, uh, number four, Kansas, losing to unranked Dayton, uh, and then I guess the Boilermakers are all that's left, but are, are the Boilermakers really going to be the number one team in basketball, or does Duke get elevated and somehow put on top of them for their win over the Zags? Uh, we'll be interested to see the polls tomorrow. I think 
this college basketball season is already pretty exciting. I am happy about it, and it's distracting me from the football woes of this weekend. Speaking of, I was not kidding when this was not my weekend in football for multiple reasons. Uh, Starting on Thanksgiving, first of all, was kind of rooting for the Lions to get their first win because, I don't know, they play on Thanksgiving, so do the Cowboys, it's tradition, and they've been so dismal this year. Um, I also love their coach. You know, any coach that cries for his team, you really got to get invested. Plus, I think this gives them the excuse to not fire Nagy for a while, and I think he needs to be out at the Bears so Justin Fields could actually have some coaching. Um, But the way that game ended, in true, sad, dismal Lions fashion, followed by the Cowboy game. Um, Now look, Amari Cooper's out. C.D. Lamb is out. That is 48% of all the offensive yards the Cowboys have had. Plus, Zeke, we now know, has this injury that's been nagging him a little longer than uh, we know, going through that knee and ankle. Um, They actually even are discussing this week sitting him um, for the Saints game, which I'm like, great. So now we're still missing players. Speaking of, COVID is now spreading rampant throughout the Cowboys. Uh, We lost Terrence Steele, our right tackle, which we are already thin at tackle because, unfortunately, Tyron Smith, who is one of the best tackles in the NFL— can't stay healthy. Um, it's it's a damn shame. It's been a problem ever since we drafted him. But he is so good that I'm willing to wait. But so COVID is ravaging the Dallas Cowboys. And we're maybe sitting players because of injuries. And we lose a game against the Raiders. We should have won. Uh, there were still opportunities. I don't care. Any excuse in the world for how many flags we got, how many players were missing. At the end of the day... That game was lost in overtime on a field goal. That was winnable. Um, just not not a good way to start my sports weekend. Luckily, the turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pie were amazing, so I wasn't in that bad a mood, but did kind of sour my grapes that day. Anyway, so Cowboys, not great. Then we move on to the night game. Now, I have to personally apologize. I was kind of riding on the bills last week. They had a lot of offensive guys out. They had some other guys sick. I think two starting linemen were gone and came back and looked great this week. Yes, we still had two interceptions by Josh Allen, but when you're throwing four touchdowns and running the game like that, I uh, they're forgivable. So th- 31-6 Bills over the Saints. Okay, Bills are good. I, I can I apologize for dissing them last week. I can retain them as my AFC favorite. Uh, although the Bengals are looking pretty good. But I retain them as my AFC Super Bowl pick. Saints are really not good. Um, I don't know why they keep signing and extending players. Uh, I, I think it's like a Sean Payton, like I'm a players coach kind of thing. I'm going to get you all the money and you're going to play really hard for me. But when you do that with guys that shouldn't have those long contracts, it takes a lot of the money away that you're supposed to have for giant free agency signings or getting a normal quarterback who could be the guy of the future. Um, But anyway, Saints not so good. Bills are good. So then we start out today, 1 o'clock spot, Steelers to the aforementioned Bengals. Shellacked. We just got completely shellacked. The Steelers, I'm so torn on Big Ben. I've seen him in three Super Bowls. I, I love the Big Ben era and the prowess and the the fighting back harder than anyone. Like it's, I know it's comical. I've made fun of it myself on this show. 
how much he's like, yes, no, no quarterback could possibly do what Big Ben is doing. Uh, but I love it. It's like the drama, and I eat it up, and it is so like Pittsburgh strong, epic branding for Steel Town. And uh, he just couldn't get anything going today. Looking at all the weapons Pittsburgh has, and you're telling me you're putting up 10 points. Uh, that's that's not enough to beat hardly anyone, let alone a division rival who's now leading the division. Um, and then we have to go to Baltimore next week. It looks like it's only getting worse. Um, granted, look, Joe Hayden was out, but Minka Fitzpatrick was back, and he got his interception. So there is no reason why we should be giving up 41 points and only scoring 10. Uh, just literally a shellacking. It's, uh, I, I think it was more of a fluke than an actual showing of the Steelers' abilities. I do think the Steelers are better than that. I mean, Joe Mixon, give him his flowers, uh, found the end zone twice today. Yes, twice, with 165 yards. Uh, my man Mixon from Oklahoma on the field is just huge standout day. So good, good for him. But come on, Steelers, like get, get your shit together. So game two, game two of three, why I'm very upset this weekend. Now, also in the early block, we did have the NFC East game that looked like an old-school, terrible NFC East game as the Giants' defense kept the Eagles to only seven points but only were able to manage to score 13 of their own. Um, Sterling Shepard continues to be out and injured, and it's really killing me because I loved watching him. His comeback touchdown at Tennessee is one of my favorite sports memories of all time. I was at a bar with Blake Griffin. It was awesome. So we need to get him healthy. Um, and Marquise Brown, also, get healthy. Come on sooner, so you got to rep me in the NFL. Uh, but so that game was terrible. So lucky Cowboys still a huge lead in the division because nobody else wants to win a lot of games. Um, seven in the lost columns for both of those teams now. So don't have to worry about them. But that was in the early block. We had the sadness machine of the Jets going against the sadness machine of the Texans which actually had more offense than the NFC East game. Um, but Zach Wilson came back, threw for 145 yards, didn't throw for a touchdown, did throw a pick, but ran for a touchdown, and Jets get the win. So good for them. Let's The, the, the skid has stopped, and if it wasn't going to stop at Texans, I think you'd really have to be worried. Uh, Patriots also. Patriots have been like super sleeper Super Bowl worthy team this year uh their defense is getting it done it is shutting down people held the titans now granted the titans are on a skid uh i had been defending them all year as this underrated team and derrick henry left and all of a sudden they just can't score points but regardless patriots did hold them to 13 scored 36 of their own mac jones is really really just coming into his own he is like the evolved game manager uh two touchdowns today 310 yards. Uh, that's pretty damn impressive for Mac Jones. Uh, I have him on my fantasy bench because you never know if it's going to be like game managing 17 points and three of them were rushing touchdowns and they missed all the extra points. Like, how do you know? But I I have Big Ben and, and my sympathy votes had me put him out. I know no one cares about my fantasy roster, but I'm going to tell you anyway because if you're listening to my show, you're stuck. So... Should have put in Mac Jones. I think I got to get on that bus. And I think we kind of all have to get back on the, oh, the, the Patriots are contenders in the AFC bus because they continue to prove it week in and week out. 
Meanwhile, in Jacksonville, uh, the Urban Meyer sadness train continues, uh, losing to Atlanta 21-14. to um, You've you got to start to wonder, there are huge college football coaching positions open, which we will get to because there is breaking news literally since I've started this podcast that adds to my anger of this weekend. Um, but that's where he thrives. If you're, if you're telling professional athletes, you know, hustle. Hustle is how we win games. You know, you're going to hustle to the water. You're going to hustle back. No, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to play a sport. You, you can't coach a professional team like you coach a college team because one is a student athlete and one is a professional athlete. So you really got to wonder if he's going to take his skills back to where they were useful um, in all of their toxicity back to college. Also, Cordell Patterson, if anything good happens for the Falcons ever, you can pretty much guess his name is going to be on it. His season is just so cool. And five years from now, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, do you remember Cordell Patterson? And, the, you know, the, the NFL diehards will agree and be like, oh, yeah, that guy, he was, he was everywhere, man. And I, I, that's cool. That's cool to be the guy that is everywhere. He is doing everything for his team. Uh, which is not a great team, and giving them a chance to win every single Sunday. Meanwhile, don't look now, but the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins are on a four-game win streak. Um, Tua finally looks as good as we say, and Twitter says he should be every single week. Uh, 230 yards, one touchdown. But the the, the big thing for Tua this week was mistake-free football. He was playing at top level, uh, just making smart decisions, getting through his progressions quickly, scrambling at the right time, and made really short work of the Panthers. Uh, They now, Cam Newton, on the other hand, had one of his worst days ever as a pro, uh, two interceptions. I kind of feel bad for the guy. I was really looking forward for like the homecoming of Cam. Him at Auburn is still some of the best college football I ever remember, but just not, not today for Cam. But way to go, Tua. Uh, that is awesome. Um, and I look, I got no problem with the Dolphins. Like, why can't the Dolphins be good again? It's been long enough. Then we had the last game in the afternoon slot, uh, Tampa Bay versus Indianapolis. This game was actually pretty great. Uh, Carson Wentz threw for three touchdowns. And I, I, was, I was intrigued. I was like, these Colts, kind of legitimate contenders putting together back-to-back good performances. Uh, And he continued to have a good performance. I mean, two interceptions is going to hold you back. And Jonathan Taylor, you know, didn't explode for a million fantasy points uh, with only one touchdown and less than 100 yards. Uh, But but honestly, a solid game by the Colts. However, uh, Brady did have a great game. And more than that, Leonard Fournette did explode. We we had a three-touchdown, 100-yard game from Fournette. Uh, he it was flashbacks back to his LSU days. He was a man among boys. P- people can't bring him down, and that was cool to watch. Um, as much as it pains me to cheer for anything good for Tom Brady teams, I, I was happy to see Leonard Fournette have a good day. So the Bucks are for real. They're getting their shit figured out and playing well again. Uh, but Colts, Colts also, I, I take this as a good loss. If the CFP was rating it, they'd be the number two team in the country. Um, but a... A a solid loss. I I don't think Colts fans are upset about today. Their team had a good showing against a Super Bowl possible contender uh, and almost won. So so good on them. Good both ways. Now, we're still here in the middle of the early games. 
Uh, Vikings and 49ers are tied, which is odd. Jimmy, Jimmy G has his one touchdown and one interception so far to Kirk Cousins' two touchdowns. I will not jump on the Kirk Cousin bandwagon, no matter how much you guys want me to. I just can't do it. The Packers, in probably the most interesting game of the center block, are currently up on the Rams and driving, up 20-17. to 17. I don't even want to talk about that game. I, I am so sick of the Packers not being nice but being good. And I guess it's actually just sick of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I have no problem with the Packers. I think the way they run their organization with everybody has a share of meaningless paper. But, you know, you have your thing. You are literally invested in the team. That's cool. Aaron Rodgers bugs the hell out of me. And so I hope he comes up and ends up losing this game. Um, and then I guess in the proving that the Chargers really are in trouble mode, the Denver Broncos are up 14-7 to on them right now going into the second half. So we will see. Uh, Chargers, we were real quick to get on them as a good team early on, but I think they only played bad teams or good teams at bad times early in the season. So the Chargers, maybe not so much, especially if they lose to the Broncos today. So that is your middle-of-the-day games, and then we have a fun Sunday night one, which I will probably get you out a Six Sports Minute on later this week between the Browns and the Ravens. God willing, Baker Mayfield, I feel so bad for the guy. He is such a competitor that he... Now, yes, I know he's an Oklahoma guy, so I'm biased. But he is such a competitor that he is injured. And and he is injured so bad that he probably shouldn't be playing, but he is playing because uh, they need it. They need the wins. So taking on the Ravens tonight, that should be a great game. And look for a Six Sports Monday on that either tonight or tomorrow morning. Okay, so now to the root of why I'm actually legitimately on a football anger strike this weekend. Um, So I woke up, had a good workout, watching college game day, start watching Ohio State-Michigan. And all of a sudden, Michigan looks great. It's snowing. It is beautiful Big Ten football. Everything is perfect in the world. And I am not a huge Michigan fan. I'm definitely not a huge Jim Harbaugh fan. But you have a team that has not been able to win this rivalry for years, once once out of the last 16 years, uh, coming out and just stomping Ohio State, a team which I personally really don't like. Uh, goes back to my Urban Meyer feelings. But they come out, they win it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Meanwhile, you had a very exciting game that should not have been nearly as exciting between Baylor and Texas Tech that kept my heart into it, and I was excited enough to watch it till the end. So, so we're not even out of the noon block yet, and I'm like jumping up and down that like, wow, this is going to be a great, great weekend of college football. So then we move to the middle slot. Uh, I feel bad. UTSA did lose, but I also think it's right that the only two undefeated teams in the country are Cincinnati and Georgia, because if we're going to start fighting for Cincinnati to be in the playoff, which I think they deserve this year, well, how much does a win against Notre Dame count if two teams in the group of five are undefeated? I mean, obviously a bunch, because Notre Dame has been beating the crap out of people. Not not yesterday. But still, I, I think it is right with the world that the team that is probably the best in football this year with Georgia and the team from the group of five that is definitely the best in the group of five are the only two undefeated teams. So I felt bad for him, but was happy about that. Then we are watching... Penn State, Michigan State, in the snow again, 
very Penn State-y finish, and Michigan State got it together, which I was looking forward to after them losing two heartbreakers. And then comes the Iron Bowl, and we have Alabama held to zero points for the first time in the first half since God knows when. I actually had it written down somewhere, and that piece of paper has left me. But it was a long time, a very, very long time since Alabama has been held scoreless in the first half. Auburn's up 10. Then we get late third quarter. Auburn's still up. Then we get down to one minute and 40-something seconds left, and Auburn is still up with the ball up a touchdown. 99.9% win percentage in ESPN's power index thing. I was ecstatic. I was like, this is how it should be in the world. Alabama's going to go. Now nobody can say possibly that with a loss to Georgia, they should even consider getting in. And maybe even with a win, we've got some room for error. They at least don't jump to number one in the country after having two losses. So it was great. I changed the channel, got ready for the Sooner game. All of a sudden, I get a notification that it's going to overtime. And I do not know what happened. Total meltdown by Auburn. So started off in a bad mood. Then we go to Bedlam. Now, meanwhile, uh, Wisconsin was losing to Minnesota, which is great for Minnesota. We have Michigan and Minnesota, who have not won their rivalry games in forever, both getting the win and setting up the weirdest Iowa-Michigan Big Ten championship game that we were not ready for. Um, But kudos kudos to Minnesota for for getting the axe this year for the first time in a long time. Uh, But then... We go to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I was already anxious about it. First time all year Oklahoma has been an underdog. We come out, guns a-blazing, we're trading touchdowns. I make the joke, I hope you took the over, because we were already almost at it at the half, notched up. Start off the second half, dud of a drive, but then get a safety and go up a touchdown after that on a muffed punt on the next drive. We're up nine. We coast in up nine for the longest time. Then... A ridiculous series of events. Granted, defense kind of folded and gave up a lot of points, and offense stopped scoring points, which is a big problem. But we stopped scoring. They start scoring. We are on a drive that should put put it to rest while while we're still up. They throw the flag for unsportsmanlike conduct and wave it off. I don't know if I have ever in all my years of football seen a waved-off unsportsmanlike conduct. That That is a subjective penalty, If it was a late hit, enough for you to throw the flag, there should be a flag. You can't review it. You can't go, yeah, you know what? Actually, not. Um, So that was a bunch of BS. Then we muff a punt. Turns into a touchdown very shortly after. Uh, Also really bummed. Eric Gray wanted him to have a breakout year this year as a transfer from Tennessee. And (laughs) it has not been the year any of us were expecting. Kennedy Brooks is the one, actually, who had the 1,000-yard season to put him in the elite three of Oklahoma running backs. Uh, But Eric Gray did not have it and punctuating it with literally giving away seven points in a game we were only leading by three was miserable. So anyway, everyone's hopes were crushed. We were done. And I said, hey, I've seen crazier stuff. Maybe we take a bomb at the field, get a couple shots. No sooner do I say that, Caleb Williams darts down the field and gets us to within chunking range. Absolutely awesome. We have no timeouts. A play passes, corner of the end zone, obvious pass interference. I'm jumping up and down going first and goal from the two. Let's go. Let's get the win. Like, and there's no flag. And everyone goes silent because this guy was clearly tackled. There is a picture of it on my Sook Sports Twitter. 
a guy was tackled, didn't turn his head around, didn't do anything, and was there way early. Nothing. And then, okay, third down dud, and fourth down sacked in the backfield, game over, eight seconds, turnover on downs, one kneel, game is over. Um, Look, Oklahoma State may be the better team. Oklahoma State, definitely the better chance of making it to the college football playoff. Uh, And were we going to beat Georgia? No, but we should have won that game. The fact that it was two late blatant calls, and more than that, the no call on the pass interference was the most egregious no call on pass interference I've ever seen, except for maybe the one in the NFL uh, on the sidelines in the playoffs three years ago. It was like on the three-yard line. I'm forgetting the teams, but but this one was horrendous. So I'm in a bad mood, but I'm like, you know what? Okay, we lost. It happens. This wasn't our year anyway. We've been off all year, and that thought kind of stuck in my head. Then I'm watching the press conference, and they start to ask Lincoln Riley a question about LSU, and he specifically says, I am not the next head coach at LSU. Next question. And the fact that he said it that way, I knew something was up. So I immediately was like, okay, Florida, maybe, SEC, transferring over, sunnier state, you know, whatever. Well, then I wake up today, Napier announces that he's going to Florida. I'm like, great, good for him. I guess we're in the clear. But still had that nagging feeling that something's been wrong all year with this offense, which Lincoln Riley is the offensive coordinator and head coach of, and that comment. Well, sure enough, I'm right, and Lincoln Riley is headed to the University of Southern California, where not only will he be taking his talents, but he will also probably be taking the large number of recruits that we have coming out of Southern California in the 2022 and 2023 classes, um, a bunch of which have already commented on the post with the breaking news, some with the words staying home. We're talking four and five star guys. Uh, that's Malachi, the quarterback, uh, and the two receivers he was bringing with him from Southern Cal, Raleigh Brown, the running back. Uh, not to mention that Caleb Williams was going to walk on to Oklahoma if he didn't get a scholarship to go for Lincoln Riley and could go with him. So, so we're talking about a complete gutting of a program. Not to mention the USC job has been open since week two. We lost yesterday. This has been decided. If you already felt a guy was spread thin from being head coach and offensive coordinator, and then you add in the fact that he's secretly taking a job that no one's even thinking he's considered for, kind of crazy. So, one job filled in USC by ours truly, Lincoln Riley. One filled in Florida by Napier. We still have the LSU job open. We now have the Oklahoma job open. Thank God for Bob Stoops coming in as an interim head coach for the bowl game. I wouldn't mind if he stuck around for a few years. Plus, Virginia Tech and Washington. Who knows who else is getting fired at the end of the year. This is going to be a crazy, crazy coaching carousel, which I have already told you I don't like when it happens midseason, especially before a bowl game. You have these guys together on the same field for one last time. Um, TCU also got their guy out of SMU, who I'm also hearing has interest in the Sooner job, so that should be interesting. Um, Random fun fact from Shefty of the day, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who is leading the division for an NFL team, is apparently maybe interested in coaching for the Sooners. But just so much unnecessary drama if things had been talked about or thought about and really makes you wonder 
why this offense wasn't clicking all year with the quarterback whisperer and the next prodigy of Caleb Williams um, almost hurts more than when Kevin Durant left because it not only, I'm pretty sure, hurt this year, but definitely is going to hurt the future. Anxious to see how this turns out. Um, I think Grinch would be a great candidate promoting him from defensive coordinator. Uh, We still would need an offensive coordinator. Bob Stoops could stick around for a little while. Um, And who knows, maybe Cliff Kingsbury comes down or Urban Meyer decides to go back to what he's good at. But a lot to unfold in this offseason. And that concludes why I am mad at football this weekend. I will obviously be paying very, very close attention to how all of this plays out with the remaining vacancies, including ours at Oklahoma. So make sure to follow Sook Sports so you too can have up-to-the-minute facts, fiction, and the coolest rumors for the coaching carousel of college football. All right, that is it. In the meantime, since we have been talking together, the 49ers did score one more time. Debo Samuel took in a touchdown. So that is now 21-14 to with about 12 minutes to go in the third. Uh, all other scores are unchanged. So this is, this is still news, guys. I haven't given you outdated information. But I hope your team won. I hope you had a lovely holiday and Thanksgiving. And thank you for tuning in for Six Sports Sunday.